Here's an excerpt from a recent Investing Experts conversation. Welcome back to Investing Experts. Great to have courage and conviction investing back on the show to talk small caps, the art of investing in small caps, particular names, any articles discussed today, you can find links to them on our show notes. And all episodes have transcripts available on Seeking Alpha. And for those wanting to follow breaking news and general news coverage of the markets, come listen with us at Wall Street Breakfast. We have morning episodes released before 7 a.m. Eastern and afternoon episodes released around 12 noon Eastern. You've got Wall Street Breakfast and Wall Street Lunch for all your market news needs. How do you know that you're in a small cap stock for the right reasons and the headwinds that are coming at you are just headwinds that may kind of dispel or or dissipate as, as the weeks and months move on? You have to know when you're wrong in this game. I think that's what really separates the people that are very successful and can do this for a long period of time that have longevity. The way I run the portfolio is fairly concentrated. So my top five positions are usually five, 50 to 70%, which is pretty aggressive. 15% is usually my max. But uh, you you just you have to know the names and you can't be... You, if the thesis does change, you have to take a loss and you have to get out. And, and that's just part of the process. But... Um, the other thing is kind of scaling into the names. So I'll, I'll give you I'll give you an example. So there's there's a company that we own, uh, Farmer Brothers, and it's a wholesale coffee roasting company. It's been around 100 years. The ticker's FARM, and they had two businesses. They had um, a routes business where they would deliver the product to restaurants, hotels, convenience stores. And then they had a direct ship business and they built a state-of-the-art factory in North Lake, Texas. And they they took on a lot of debt and they, they ran the business kind of poorly. And so some activists came in, they, they acquired a 15% stake in the company and like, I want to say in the high fives or, or six, and then they became directors and they had a standstill agreement. So, uh, uh, a couple months ago, they re- reached an agreement with Treehouse Food to sell North Lake, Texas, as well as the money losing direct ship business. So the, the purchase price was $100 million. There was $8 million in legal fees and costs. So they netted $92 million. Now, some of that price was also some of the inventory. So it's a little hard to get it like a precise dollar figure. But just to frame this to you, how like irrational and inefficient markets are. Prior to this company doing this deal, the company was like two bucks. And so there's 20 million shares of CNN. So it's a $40 million market cap. They had 105 million in net debt. They announced the deal. The stock shoots up from like two bucks to like 360, 10 times the volume trades. And then the meme and the hot money kind of dissipate. The deal does close, but then like two weeks or last week, the, the stock drifts all the way back to 182. So pre-deal, you got a company, 40 million market cap, 105 million in debt. Yeah, they did own the factory, but they literally had a gun to their head that if they didn't get this thing refired, they're going to go bankrupt. Got the deal done, closed the deal. And remarkably, the equity was valued at the same price when a company had like 15 million in net debt. And they don't, yeah, they don't have the factory, but the, the, the thing had a round trip from two bucks to 360 under two bucks. And so uh, I aggressively was buying between 182 and 205. They came out, uh, the management got let go or they agreed to, to get let go. 
um, probably because the board pushed them out because they were making a lot of money. They did make a lot of good changes finally, but um, the conference call was really good. The forward out looks really good, and there are, there are some really good tailwinds going on here. So the, the stock comes, it was like 280 yesterday. So I didn't get involved till after this because I, I wasn't comfortable with the balance sheet. But when I saw this deal and it was going to go through, I, I started buying it at three, bought more at 250, and then got really aggressive between in the low twos. And so from the initial purchase price of three bucks to 180, that's a, that's a, that's a 40% drawdown. But I had done enough work on the business and the valuation, and we had the comfort of the activists owning 15%. They want to protect their investment, that the business was actually shaping up. And you also have a tailwind because coffee bean prices are, are actually now kind of oversupplied. So that's a huge tailwind um, going forward. But there are a number of other tailwinds to the business. They brought in this AI algorithm that's going to, uh, it's already improved margins like uh, a couple hundred basis points. So the Conference call was fantastic. I don't want to spend too, too much more time on it, but it's a perfect example of, okay, I bought a 5% position at, at three bucks and it goes down 40% in your face. But if you've done enough work in the business and the valuation and, and are following closely, you you have enough conviction to, to continue to add because you're buying at a much better, it gives the market gives you an opportunity to, to acquire more shares at a better price. And, Lo and behold, the sky's not falling, and the thing bounces from 180 to, to, to 280. Now they're gonna have to string together a couple of good quarters here um, to make the street really believe it. But the one of the, the directors of the activists actually bought some shares on the 15th, which is a good sign because he hadn't been in the market for a long time. Uh, but that that's like a good example that you have to be able to will to to have something go down 40% in your face and not be afraid that if, if you've done your work that you think you're buying a good valuation to, to aggressively add more. So I, I went from 5%, I took it up to my max 15, 16%. Um, and so that's kind of one example, but clearly there are times that you're wrong. If, if the thesis changes, you, you, you have to take your medicine and get out. Oftentimes, the sooner the better. You want to share with investors any other stocks that you're thinking about or points of interest or points of light or ways to be thinking about small caps these days? Yeah. I mean, I, I want to talk uh, two more names. Um, so Red Robin, which I've, I've, I've uh, written on, and that's a top five position for me. Um, I'm in it like what I've been adding recently, but I was lying in like the 13s and it, it's, gone from like 12 to almost 16 and now it's in the eights. <laughs> uh, I did speak with uh, GJ Hart, the CEO, a couple weeks ago. And I spoke with Todd Wilson, the CFO. Um, had a really good talk with those guys. Um, they really know the business. They're really trying to turn around the brand. They're, they're, they're playing the long game. Uh, we got really specific in terms of like the menu and the different quartiles and the stores. And they brought like the, all the enhancements they made to the menu and the philosophy of hiring more people and the op 
and grills and but it's completely <laughs> like it because I'm, I'm sized up in this thing and it's some um, sam long at like 12 now it's like in the eights but i don't understand why notwithstanding the macro i am talking with todd tomorrow uh, just to catch up because he spoke at a couple conferences. I, it seemed like a co comment he made. It was out of context, but I wanted to just hop on the phone with him. What I had was a the really comment, good time. Just out of curiosity. It's just, a, I guess, September, the restaurant industry has the traffic's down in September, um, which you have hurricanes and you have gas prices and student loans are resetting, right? The moratorium's been lifted. And it could have been any the confluence of events but like this the stocks got cut in half from the july highs and i don't think anything's really changed with the business and my thesis is this company's they they guide it to 1.3 billion in revenue the the midpoint of the ebitda 77.5 million uh so the enterprise value is like sub 300 million so it trades cheap there isn't a lot of free cash flow generation because they're investing it back in the business and the interest rates are high, but they've done sales leasebacks where they've paid down that 12% debt and then they've actually bought back a little bit of stock. Um, so I, I don't really know why it's gotten cut in half, notwithstanding just the negative sentiment towards small caps and maybe there's some big macro long short book and, and that happens to be in that basket. But I'm sticking with it. I've been adding here and um, I'm going to see this one through unless the thesis is dramatical. There's a dramatic departure in the thesis. But if you take a step back and a company that has 1.3 billion in revenue, an extra 200 beeps in, in EBITDA margins, that's 26 million bucks. And so it's not, it's not what they're doing is they moved away from discounting and they've upped the, the product quality. They've, They've upped the service because they've, they've fully staffed. And it's really just, a, this is a margin story more than a sales story. So I don't really care what the comps are. I, mean, I don't want to be like double digits negative, but if they're down 5% and the margins are better and, you, and you're you're doing the right thing for the brand and the business, that's fine. And so I'm happy to, to uh, weather that drawdown. Uh, again, par for the course. And then tying back to the stay hungry, stay foolish, I have one one other stock. Um, uh, it's called Yield Ten Bioscience. Ticker is Y Ten. Um, and so this this is absolutely fascinating. But let me be crystal clear: this is this could go to zero. Okay, so this is a hundred percent binary, um, and I'll explain the thesis. But I don't want to. I want to be crystal clear. Like if they run out of capital by December 1st, this is a zero. Um, so anyway, just mentioning that. But um, what they do is these are MIT scientists and they've developed this seed, um, Camelina. And it's, it's uh, oily. It's a cover crop. So you plant it after the harvest in the fall and then in the winter. So it's a cover crop. So it, it prevents erosion and uh, the fertilizer runoff. So it's good for farmers. And then you harvest it in the spring. And so there's a, this, this, this hockey stick growth for SAF, sustainable aviation fuel and renewable diesel. And so a lot of the big refiners are converting um, some of their refineries because they know the 
to, to meet the Paris Accord and the, and the mandates, they need to get on board with this. But you physically can't divert the soybean and corn supply to just to just make biofuels. And so what what these guys have done is they've spent years developing this seed that's um, weed resistant that can uh, be called double stack. So it can be planted on the different herbicides you need um, on the, on the soil. And they've, they thought out the whole value chain. So they have the relationships with the farmers a lot of times in uh, Canada, Western Canada, and they have a seed that they've developed that you can grow at scale. But they have a, um, they signed a non-binding letter of intent with Marathon Petroleum, a $60 billion market cap refining company. And so Marathon put up a million dollars in a convert and they had 120 days to negotiate a deal. And that, that exclusivity ended on August 25th. And so I don't know what happened, nor could they, I have spoken with um, Oliver Peoples twice. He obviously couldn't comment specifically about private negotiations, but because the deal hadn't got finalized, they were, they were trying to negotiate a, an investment than an off-take agreement. Um, so they had to do a secondary, and this, this would be fascinating to readers that are people really in the weeds. So on August 2nd, they filed the S1 to, to, to raise capital, but it was a best efforts deal. And in a best efforts deal, there's some nuances here. So I want to just keep it, I don't want to be super specific, but essentially there's like a provision that uh, when they market the S1 in a best efforts deal, people that do take up on the deal can be short the stock. So in a bot deal, you announce a deal, you probably price under market, you full up the book, it gets priced and it gets, it's done. This thing was out dangling for a couple of days. So they were out trying to market to fill up the book. And you had a lot of structured guys that came in. And so the stock went from 220 to a dollar by the time the thing was done. And then they priced the deal at 65 cents. It came with five-year warrants at 65 cents. And so the talking about signal and the noise, the, the stock got decimated because of the dilution, but they had to raise the capital because the exclusivity ended and they are talking to other big oil companies. Um, and there's omega-3 angle as well. So here we have a, you know, I'm in, in like the 60 cents on this one uh, because I, I had a small position, like a foothold and, and I did, I did elect to buy more, but um, if they don't get a deal, this thing's vapor <laughs> in a couple months. But I'm looking at a company that's arguably developed this incredibly innovative seed to, to spawn a new industry uh, in terms of Camelina that arguably is empirically going to be one of the sources of, of biofuels because you can't just have soybean and corn oil. There's an omega-3 aspect. The market cap right now is like 5 million bucks, notwithstanding the warrants. But at the end of the day, Oliver doesn't get a deal. And they also, they're talking to Mitsubishi, the big refiner in uh, Japan. They're, they're the big uh, conglomerate in Japan. And so it's a binary bet. And um, I just think the upside is so big. But make no mistake, if they don't get a deal because they can't get to terms, it's going to be a donut. <laughs> so that's 
staying hungry and staying foolish. Um. (laughs) Binary indeed. Just a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast should not be considered investment advice. At times, myself or the guest, my own positions in the securities mentioned. But this is for entertainment purposes only, and you should seek advice from a licensed professional before investing. If you enjoyed the episode, leave a rating or review on your favorite podcasting app, and we'll see you soon with a new episode.